Man, what a story, right? Yeah, you can clap for that. So we are one church in multiple cities. And like I said, right now we have Canton, we have Jasper, we have online. But Jasper, we love you. We are so excited about our Jasper grand opening today. And it is exciting to celebrate to see what God is doing in the life of our church and in Jasper specifically. And so Jasper, we love you. We are so excited to celebrate this day. In fact, this is a great day if you're new to our church, no matter where you're at, whether you're in Canton, whether you're at Jasper, whether you're online, because we're in a series of messages talking about what does it mean to be a part of our family? What does it mean to be a part of Revolution Church? And if you haven't been here for the last several weeks, what I've been doing is just giving you a biblical basis of what the church is from an Old Testament perspective all the way into the New Testament perspective. And what we've said is this, that God wants a family. That's why he created human beings. He wanted a family, so he created us to be in relationship with us. Not so that we could love him, but as more as he could love us. And, and, and the problem with that is we sinned, we rejected him, and then he enacts his plan of salvation to get us back through Christ. And you see that storyline happening all the way through the Old Testament and then culminating, obviously, in the New Testament where God now brings people from every tribe and tongue into his family. And that family shows up as the church. And so what we're going to do today, in fact, today and for the next several weeks, is I'm going to talk specifically about our local church and what does it mean to be a part of Revolution Church. But you got to understand, it's, it's going to be a little bit different, a little bit different than what would typically be a sermon. But if you're new, this is great because if you're checking us out and seeing what is this place all about, then this is a great time to know what Revolution Church is about. Because today we're going to talk about our mission. We're going to talk about our vision. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how you get involved, how you get connected, how you can join the family. So it's going to be a good conversation over the next several weeks, although it might feel a little different. And so I've got to kind of set that up for you. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along today, we're going to be in two primary passages of Scripture, which again is a little bit different because normally we preach through books of the Bible and we're taking a break from the Gospel of John. But today we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to hang out there for the majority of the time, and then I'll wrap it up in Psalm chapter 107, all right? So Matthew 28, Psalm 107. And last week, if you were here, if you weren't, I'll tell you quickly, we ended our gathering talking about the will of the Father, that the will of the Father is what really determines Jesus's brothers and sisters, the family of God. And so I said, what is the will of the Father? And I said, you got to be back for the next three weeks. So thank you for coming back. And then those of you that knew, you're going to know. And so what I want to do this week is really build out what the will of the Father is from a biblical perspective, and then show you how we as a local church are trying to carry that out how we are taking the commands of Jesus to live out this will that God gave us, all right? But as always, we're going to pray before we jump into our text, and so let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you so much for your grace in our life. You are the one that not only created us, but you saved us, you redeemed us, and now you are gathering us back as your children from every tribe, tongue, and nation to be the people of God, the family of God. And so God, I pray today as we open up your word as always that you would continue to help us to understand what your will is for our lives. 
Because this life that we live, God, can be so confusing at times and so disorienting at times. But I pray that you would use this message today in a way to help us to understand, to kind of cut through the clutter, to cut through and get clarity about what it is that you have for our lives, what your will is for us individually and corporately as the church. And then, God, we continue to pray for those that are sick, specifically Pastor David and Leanna, and I pray that you would heal them and they would be back together, gathered with us as the family. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst in Canton and in Jasper and in online, God, how you are using us as a local body of believers to reach out into our communities and to make disciples like you have commanded us, like we're going to see today. So God, I pray that you would not only help me to communicate this in a way that honors you, but you would help all of us to hear it in such a way that is helpful to us. And God, we know we can't do that without the help of your Holy Spirit. So would you fill us now with your spirit in Jesus name? Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple sessions, if you will. we got three sessions where we're going to talk about this is our family, how to be a part of our family, what your role is in the family, and then how to join our family. So this week in kind of session one, what we're talking about is this is our family. What is it about Revolution Church that makes us unique in a a way that you can kind of understand, oh, that's what these people are about. That's what this church is about. And that's what I want to help for you to answer today. But I want to show you how everything that we do here has a biblical basis to it, because that is one commitment we have as a church. We're only going to take what the Bible says that we should be doing and then try to live that out. And the best example that I could think of to give you as to what the church should be about comes from Jesus' own words after he was resurrected, and he gave his disciples a command in Matthew chapter 28. So let's look at this, Matthew chapter 28, and if you have a Bible, you can read it. If not, as always, we have the verses on the screen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is called the Great Commission. If you've ever been around church, you may have heard it, but it's always good to come back to, all right? So here's Jesus, and this is what he says. And Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus, which means he has the right to command what's happening. And so he does in verse 19. Look at this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let's stop and chat just for a second. The command in these verses is to make disciples. That's the overarching main point. So if you say, what is the will of the Father? What is the will of God for my life? Which is the question we all ask. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Well, the main thing that God wants you to do with your life is make disciples. You say, yeah, yeah, I know that, but I need to know what job to take, what, who I need to marry. Do I need to live in this house? And to that, I would say, well, which of those things helps you make a disciple? You shouldn't get married if him or her doesn't help you to make a disciple, which means if they're not a disciple, end. Pretty simple, right? We don't make disciples through missionary dating. That's not how we do it, all right? And so the command of God in our life is to make disciples, And so that is the will of the Father for us. And then we say, well, how do we do that? By going. And then he's going to give us the rest of how we do that. And I broke this up in two segments, and I'll show you why in just a second. So look at the next part of verse 19 and 20. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is the will of God for us. And this is the direction setting for our church. And so when you think about the local church, the mission of the local church is set by Jesus. But there's a couple things I want to show you in this verse because you, you may be having questions about, okay, what is the local church and why are we here? And there's a couple things that I want us to understand just from a biblical perspective that'll help make sense as to why we as a local church do certain things that we do. But the biggest distinction that I want you to understand, and it kind of shows up in this verse, and if you're following along and you want to take notes, is this point. The church is the family of God that shows up or that exists in a global and local expression. The church is the family of God that exists in a global and local perspective. Now, here's why I want you to understand this. Because these local expressions we call local church is a part of the global church. And Jesus, when he gives his disciples this mission, he first and foremost tells them, go to make disciples of all nations. And so there's a global perspective to that. And the biblical concept of that, again, is God wants his children back. He wants a family from all nations, which is the reversal of what happened in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel. God wants his people back from all nations. And so our first command is to make disciples of all nations. And then how we do that is we go, we baptize, we teach. And so there's an aspect here that there's a global expression of the church, and then there's a local expression of the church. Here's why this is important to understand. When I say global expression of the church, what I mean is this. All believers for all time. All believers for all time. A lot of people call this kind of the big C church. Some people call it the invisible church. And what that means simply is this, that believers at all times in all places, you know, past, present, and future are a part of this global family of God. And that's the picture that the apostle John gives us in the book of Revelation when he tells us multiple times that he looked up and he saw the throne and he saw believers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so there's a sense that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are a part of this global church. We're a part of this invisible church that exists all over the world. And the reason why I highlight that is because I want us to understand as believers, we're a part of something huge. We're a part of something big that God is doing all over the world. This is why we think it's important for you to live your life on mission and if you have opportunities to take a mission trip, which again, we haven't been able to do that as much with the pandemic, but we will because what it does is it gives you such a global perspective. Every time I travel and I see God working in the middle of nowhere, Kenya, I think, wow, God, you're a global God. You're a global God. And, and the the point is, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. And you say, well, how do I get to be a part of that family? It's very simple. You trust Jesus and you're part of the family. We call that salvation. 
So again, if you're taking notes, I just want to kind of give you this from a basic standpoint. Salvation is this. It's how we enter the new family of Jesus when we are born again and we are a disciple of Jesus. We're born again and we are now a disciple of Jesus. And so the simple question is, have you trusted Jesus? So if you're here today, you're watching this, have you trusted Jesus? That right there is the determining factor on whether or not you're a part of God's global family. You're a part of the people of God. If you trust in Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, he has forgiven your sins. You've been born again. You're saved, as kind of the Bible writers would talk about it, because saved is just in this kind of holistic sense, past, present, future, this idea that now all of you is, has been redeemed and saved by Christ. If you are in Christ, you're part of the global family of God. And that's the amazing news of the gospel. That's what we call the gospel, the good news of what God has done to save us. But at the same time, here's the point I want to make. A lot of people will think, oh, well, I just got to trust Jesus then. That's all I got to do. I just got to trust Jesus and I'm a part of the family of God. That's true. But then they'll take that and use it as an excuse to not be a part of a local church, not be a part of the local family of God. And people say things like this, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right, you don't. But you're only obeying half the verse if that's your mentality. Because God didn't just save you into the global church, into the invisible church, into the universal church that exists all over the world for all time, for all believers. The global church shows up in local expressions. The global church shows up in local expressions, and that's what I want us to see. You say, well, where do you get that from? Well, here's the next parts of the verse that he gave us. He said, baptize them. Teach them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. Well, how do I do those two things unless it shows up with a local body of believers? Think about it like this. People say, well, I don't have to go home in order to be married. You're right. You can be married and you don't have to go home and actually live with your husband. You're married. But are you going to have a very good relationship if that's the way it exists? No, because your marriage shows up in a local expression. In fact, Dr. Tony Evans, who I love so much, said this the other day in a tweet. I'm like, oh, I am using that one. Because that is so true. I don't have to go home to be married to my wife. But if I don't go home, it ain't going to go well. Why? Because my marriage shows up in a local expression. My marriage shows up in flesh and blood. That's what I'm getting to. And in fact, I think another way that we can think about this is how James argues in James chapter two, when he's talking about the relationship between faith and works. He says in James chapter two, if someone says they have faith, but they have no works, how can we know that their faith is real? Now, there's been a lot of confusion over that verse throughout the years because what James is not saying which is the official Catholic church position, which I would humbly submit that that is wrong, is they would say it's faith plus works equals salvation. I would say, no, 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 that's not what James is saying. Because God knows if my faith is genuine, whether or not there are works that follow that. He knows. 
But what James is saying is, is not does God know, but how can we know? How can I know that your faith is genuine unless that faith shows up and works? Why? Because faith is invisible. I can't see it. But what I can see is your works. And so James makes a connection that says, hey, your faith shows up in your works. Your vertical faith in Jesus shows up in your horizontal works. Well, the same argument holds true with this idea of global and local church. And here's what I mean. If someone claims that they're a part of the church, vertical, universal, global, but they have nothing to do with the local church, a church, then we'd have to seriously ask the question, are they really a part of the church? Because if I'm a part of the church, it's going to show up and express itself in a church. Does that make sense? You with me when I say that? And the reason why I'm saying that is simply this. Because that's the will of the Father. Because you say, well, where am I baptized? Where do I take communion together? Where am I taught to obey? Well, that shows up in a local body of believers. So let me give you just these three things that I just mentioned. Baptism, communion, and discipleship. All right? Very quickly so that you all understand what I'm talking about. Baptism is this. Baptism is our public announcement that we are now a part of the family. Baptism is our public announcement. And this is why I separate these two. You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. That is not a requirement. So baptism, watch this, is, is, it's not tied to saying, yes, I'm a part of the global church in the sense that, that I had trusted Jesus. That's what gets me into that. But it shows up in a local expression which is why we baptize all the time around here. And we always introduce people to you and say, this is so-and-so, say hi, so-and-so. Because that moment is saying, hey, I've identified with Christ. I've died with Christ. I've risen with Christ. And we do it in water because water symbolizes the fact that it has cleansed us. And it's also easier than dirt, right? But that's the idea. I was buried, now I'm alive. And, and what that is saying is, yes, this is my people now. He is my God. Jesus is my God, and this is my people. Then the second ordinance that we practice in the local church, because Jesus commanded us to, is communion. So let me give you this. Communion is, watch this, is our public reaffirmation of our relationship to Jesus and his family. Communion is our public reaffirmation. So if you think about salvation, you think about baptism. And I ask those two questions. Have you trusted Jesus, been saved, and have you been baptized? If you haven't done those two things, those are your first steps. So if you're new to our church, you're new to Revolution Church, that's how you get into the global family, and then that's how you get into our family. Salvation and baptism. Those are one-time things. And this was something that I wish, and I've mentioned this if you've been around Revolution, I, miss, I wish someone would have told me that when I started going to church. Because I didn't grow up going to church. I went when I was a teenager, and I knew I needed to be saved, and so I trusted the Father, and I got baptized. No one told me, though, that I would still struggle with sin. And so again, I have mentioned this. I must have asked Jesus into my heart a thousand times. And just to be safe, I got baptized three times. 
Because, you know, it's like after the first one, you're like, did it take? Right? You're like, I mean, it, it washed me, but there's still some stuff behind my ears growing. You know, I need to do that again. But, but here's what I want you to hear me say. Salvation and baptism is a one-time thing. You're in the family. That would be like my son or my daughter saying, hey, I feel like I've really messed up as a part of our family. Can I be born again? Can I go back and start over? And we, No. Son, that's quite impossible. One, because you're a giant now and you wouldn't fit. But two, you're in the family. So this is what I want you to hear. Once you're saved and baptized, you're in the family. You say, well, what do I need to do then? That's what communion's for. And we do communion several times a year around here. You can do it every weekend if you want. We've got that available, but we do it corporately several times a year. Why? Again, one, because Jesus commanded us to, but two, on a more specific level, when we take communion, it is our time, and you see this show up in the New Testament when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, it's our time to repent. He says, before you do this, examine your life. If there is some sin in you that you need to go repent, he says, leave it at the altar and go find that brother or sister. What is that about? That's about us reaffirming I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus to save me, and I might need to go repent to some people in the family that I've wronged in the same way that I've wronged God. In fact, maybe I wronged God by wronging them. And so communion becomes, again, watch this, our public reaffirmation, saying, yes, I'm in Christ, and I'm a part of his family. And that happens in a local expression in the local church. Thirdly, discipleship. Discipleship, again, is just kind of a churchy way to, to talk about this process of making a disciple. But here's discipleship. Learning to live in the new family of Jesus by taking our next step of obedience. Learning to live in the new family of Jesus by taking our next step of obedience. And this is just our way of simply saying when Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So when we're saved into the family, it shows up in a local expression. And in that local expression is where we are discipled to be made into Jesus. Not sorry, to be made into the likeness of Jesus, not made into Jesus. Ooh, that's heresy. All right. Made into the image of Jesus, made into the likeness of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And so this is where I always say to people, and they say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right, you don't. But if you don't, you'll never grow. Again, think about it. The Bible uses the marriage metaphor all the time. If I, on my wedding day, make a commitment to my wife and say, I will love you, but then I never go home and actually do that, I'm going to remain a self-centered individual. And, and, and just for the record, that's what marriage is about. Marriage is about two sinners coming together trying to figure out. That's why it's hard. And marriage is, watch, meant to put you not in conflict with your spouse, but in conflict with yourself. That's what it's for. It's there so that you realize the way you show up in the world is a jerk. 
and she's there and he's there to help you say, no, we don't do that. That's not how we live. And that's what the church is for. So the local church is there to help disciple us into being a brother, a sister, into the new family of Jesus, where we take our next step of obedience. So being a part of the local church is where we actually live out the command of Jesus, where we're baptized, we take communion together, and we learn how to live like Jesus. So that's the biblical basis of why a local church. Now, I want to talk specific to you about Revolution Church, all right? So the rest of our time together, I'm just going to give you some high points about what is it about Revolution Church? Because when you join our family, when you were baptized here at our church, or maybe you were baptized somewhere else, but you want to be a part of our church, and you're going to take communion with us, and you are going to be discipled by us. You're going to be in the local church called Revolution. You're joining a family. And there's a couple things I want you to understand specific about Revolution Church. One is we have a family history. Think about it like this. We have a family tree. We have, you know, the branches of our tree that kind of breaks off. And just like every other family, we got some crazy uncles. All right. We got some crazy characters in our story. But I want to hit some high points of the history of Revolution Church so that you'll have a perspective of what has happened before you became a part of the family. So let me just give you kind of a quick history of Revolution Church and think about it like this, like our family tree. All right, this is our story. Revolution Church was founded in 2004 by another church in Georgia called Westridge Church, which is in Dallas, Georgia. And it started actually not as Revolution Church. A lot of people don't know this. It actually started with the name Ridgestone Church. So in August of 2004, Ridgestone Church was planted in the community of Cherokee County because it was one of the fastest growing counties in the state at the time, in the nation, sorry, to reach new people. And it was started as Ridgestone Church which if you just kind of fast forward, so that means August of 2021, our church turned 17 years old. So happy birthday, Revolution Church. This is our birthday month, yeah. So it started in 2004 as a plant of Westridge Church, and it started here in Canton in the old Teasley Middle School as Ridgestone Church. Met there for a while, grew, then moved to Regal Theater in Canton, and as it continued to grow, two years in, changed its name from Ridgestone Church to Revolution Church. And then the church continued to grow, so much so that we were, you know, the movie theater at that time, doing church in there. And then the, the county opened up a new building called the Cherokee County Conference Center. And then at the beginning of 2009, our church moved from the movie theater to the conference center and was holding multiple gatherings there. Then in June of 2009, the founding pastor resigned and left. Myself was not the founding pastor. In fact, I was a student pastor in Texas, thinking that God wanted us to plant a church. 
Unbeknownst to me, this church in Canton, Georgia, called Revolution Church, had just lost its pastor and was looking for a new pastor. But in the providence of God, the church hired a search firm, and the guy that was leading the search firm was friends with my pastor in Texas. And so they did a nationwide search. Over 400 people were a part of the process. And then it got whittled down to two candidates. And in November of 2009... I came from Texas to preach, kind of looking, you know, what was going on and talking to the search team at the time. And what's crazy is the church actually chose the other guy first. Yeah, true story. And here I was in Texas thinking, Lord, I thought you were calling us to this. And I'll never forget. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Jason, hush your mouth and I'll speak for you. So I got quiet. I hung up the phone when I was told I wasn't the guy. I got down on my knees and I prayed for 24 hours. Lo and behold, I got a phone call the next day and they said, you're not going to believe it. They actually want to go with you now. I'm like, yeah, I believe it. They're in the Lord's will now. (laughs) That was a joke, right? But, and the reason why was this, let me tell you why. Because God had been moving in my family's life, and we were going through an adoption process. We have one son who is biological and one daughter who is adopted. We were going through that adoption process and and really trying to figure out what are we going to do, what's going to happen here, and then God in his sovereignty worked it out, and and I was talking with my pastor. It's like, I think God wants me to go and lead this church. He's like, you know what? Take three days and fast and pray about it. He said, "If if God can raise Jesus from the dead in three days, what can he do with you? And so I went and prayed, and I'll never forget, God so clearly spoke to me and said, Jason, just like you didn't birth this daughter, this little girl, but you're adopting her. You didn't birth this church, but I want you to adopt this church. And I was offered the job on December 5th, 2009, and that was the exact same day my daughter was born, December 5th, 2009, confirming the call of God on our life to come and lead Revolution Church. So we moved to Georgia in 2010, still meeting in the Cherokee County Conference Center, and it was a wild ride. If you were with us during that season, our church was growing. We were setting up and tearing down every weekend to the point where we would set up. Our our team would get there at 5 in the morning. We would have four gatherings on a Sunday morning, 8.15, 9.45, 11.15, and 12.45. I'd preach all four. We would tear it all down and do it again the next week and loved every second of it. One weekend at our 1245 gathering, I was preaching, and you know how you can sleepwalk? I was sleep preaching to where I just walked off the front of the stage and landed on the ground, and when I did, I woke up. And people were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm awake now. So I hopped up on and kept preaching. But we did a giving initiative during 2010 because we knew that we were outgrowing our space, and so we bought our first location at 125 Union Hill Trail in Canton in 2011 and started building We moved into the location in January of 2013, and now we have been in Canton at this location for eight years, and our church continued to grow to the point to where we were becoming a regional church, and over 10 to 15% of our church was driving down north of us, and over 20 to 30% of our church was driving up south of us, and so we said, you know what? We've got to reach those people. We want people to live life on mission in those communities. So in 2017, we started and launched our Jasper location, meeting in a high school for three years while we bought land and built a building to where now we have two permanent locations in Canton and in Jasper. 
Now with the advent of the internet, thanks to Al Gore, right, we have now, which is a joke, we have now an online campus as well. So we are one church in multiple cities with a vision to continue to continue growing. Why? Because that's the will of God. Now, let me give you some specifics about our church. I've already kind of alluded to some of them. One is our mission, and then two is our values, and three is our vision. So let me hit those for you. You say, what is it about Revolution Church? Well, first and foremost, it's about our mission, why we exist. And here it is, very simple. To love Jesus and grow people. To love Jesus and grow people. And there's two parts to that mission. It's built on these two things, the person of Jesus and the process of growth. And here's why that's so important. Because again, if you want to be a part of our family, you got to know these two things. That our church is built on Jesus first and foremost. In fact, what we like to say around here is Jesus is our senior pastor. And what that means is Revolution Church is his church. And here's why I say this. And I say this as the lead pastor, which means under Jesus, we have pastors. And in those pastors, I'm the leader of them. So Revolution Church is not my church. It's not my church and it's not my people. And here's why I say that. Because so quickly and so easily in a local church, it can unfortunately take on the personality of the lead pastor or even senior pastor if they use that language and people start coming to hear from him. Which I like to say, and we'll get into this more at our next session, is don't get the wrong five letters. Jason has five letters, and in English, Jesus has five letters. So it's not about J-A-S-O-N, July, August, September, October, November. I don't know if you knew that. I was like 25 when I realized that my name was in the calendar. It's amazing. For real, it's a true story. But it's about J-E-S-U-S. And the reason why I say that is this. I want you to hear from me, Jason to say it's about Jesus. Now, I feel like I have been called and gifted to lead this, but the best thing in the world I can do is build our church on Jesus because one day I will not be the lead pastor. I'm an interim pastor. Now, I hope that interim keeps going for the next 20 years, but this was God's grace to our church because I didn't start this church. I wasn't here at the founding of it. So I'm not the founding pastor. And one of the things that I told our church when I first came in 2010, I said, yeah, you lost your lead pastor before, but we never lost our senior pastor. That's Jesus. And the reason why that's important is because Jesus himself said in Matthew 16 that it was his church and he would build it. He said, I will build my church. And so I want to make sure our church is built on the foundation of who Jesus is. The second thing that our church is built on is not just the person of Jesus, but the process of growth, the process of growth. And here's why that's important. I don't know how you've been around church or what your story has been, but it's very easy in church world for church to fall in love with programs, with doing things a certain way. And again, I didn't grow up in church. And so I would ask all the time, why do we do this? And the answer I would always get is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Anybody ever heard that in church before? Yeah, well, that answer don't fly around here because here's what I want you to know. We are not committed to how we are doing something. What we are committed to is the process of how you grow. 
And so we will do our best to always figure out what we feel like is the best way to help you grow, but we wanted to build ourselves on a process, not on certain programs. And so don't fall in love with the way that we do things. Watch this, fall in love with why we do them. That's the point. You say, well, what is the process? Glad you asked. They inform our four core values. And I'm going to give them to you. And you'll watch that it's an acronym of GROW, G-R-O-W. So here's how people grow. The gospel, number one. The gospel is planted in your life. And then after the gospel is planted, you grow relationships. And that's what happens in the local church. So again, think gospel is how I get into the global family. Relationships is what I build in the local family. Relationships. Because if you look at just how the process of anything grows, a seed is planted, then it grows roots. So we call those relational roots around here. The third step is obedience. It starts to grow up. This is what Jesus said, teaching them to obey. So you start to grow up. That's the idea of maturity. You're becoming more mature. This is when fruit is grown in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. And then the fourth one is works. This is when the gospel is multiplied through you into more people. Because every fruit that God grows has seed in it. The very seed that saved you is in you, and now God wants you to multiply it in other people. So here's what Revolution Church is about. We are about preaching the gospel, helping people get connected in relationships in the local church, learning to obey, and then doing good works to spread the gospel further. That's the process of growth, and that will not change. But how we do those things may change. And that's important to understand because if we're built on Jesus and we're built on how people grow, then we are always relevant. And in fact, that's a word that I, it just, a lot of times it bugs me when people will talk about being relevant. My, my goal is not to be relevant. My goal is to be eternal. If I'm eternal, I'm always relevant. My, my goal is to talk about Jesus and how people grow. That's always relevant because there's always Jesus and there's always people. So we're not trying to be cool. We're not trying to be flashy. We're not trying to be any of those things. We are trying to be founded in Jesus, built by Jesus, and help people grow. So that's our mission, and that's our values. Thirdly is this, our vision. Our vision, and vision is about the future. Vision is about where we're headed as a church. So let me give you this very simply. To multiply disciples campuses, and churches. To multiply disciples, campuses, and churches. And what you'll see in those phrases is a micro, that's disciples, to the macro, that's churches, small and big. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say. The vision of our church is not to be a big church. I didn't get into pastoring or especially get into Revolution Church just for Revolution Church to get big. And I want you to hear me say this. I have no interest in just leading a big church. It's not about bigness. It's about making hell smaller. It's about taking the gospel to all people. And so we do, though, want to multiply the process of growth into more people. Again, that's the works part of our mission, of our values. And so as a church, we want to make disciples who make disciples. We want to go from one nation to the next nation, from one city to the next city. 
That's what we say, one church in multiple cities. And so we want to multiply disciples. We want to multiply campuses. So in our future, we have a vision for more campuses just beyond Canton, Jasper, and online. And then we want it to culminate in the macro vision of planting more churches way beyond Revolution Church, way beyond our local church, which is why we have Revolution Churches in Kenya. But those are separate, independent, autonomous churches that we help fund. We actually help pay the pastor's salaries. But that's the gospel going to all nations. And so you're a part of a church, or, or you're making a decision to be a part of a church that is saying, here's our mission, here's our values, here's our vision, here's why we exist, and here's what we're going after. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that's alive, that's seeing the Holy Spirit move to raise people from the dead to now new life in Christ. I don't want to be a part of a church that's dead, that doesn't have those things going on. And so my commitment, again, as one of the pastors here, is to always make sure that the vision of our church is clear to say, that's what we're going after. We want to multiply the gospel into more people so that more disciples are made, more campuses are started, more churches are planted. And so that is the kind of the uniqueness of our local church, of Revolution Church. So if that resonates with you, if that is something that you feel like, yeah, I can get behind that. I can be a part of this local family. This is where I want to take communion together. This is where I want to be discipled together into that. Then over the next couple sessions, we're going to talk about how you can do that. But let me wrap this one up with this. One last set of scriptures. This is the one in Psalm 107, verse 35 through 38. Psalm 107, verse 35 38. Now, in this text, it explicitly it's not about the church, but I think it implies, I think it's a, an image, if you will. Someone kind of use this as a metaphor, as a picture, as a word picture of our mission and vision and action. So let me read it to you, and then I'll explain it, and then we'll wrap it up. It says this, he, capital H, that's God, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. Verse 38, I love this. And by his blessing, they multiply greatly. And he does not let their livestock diminish. Now, obviously, in this cultural context, it had specific meaning, right? Like the idea of deserts and cities and plants and fields. There was very agricultural time there. But I think we can use this set of scriptures to give us kind of a word picture, again, metaphorically of what God always does. Not just in the sense that God's going to grow crops among us and it's going to be great, but God's going to grow people among us because that's what he's really about. And there's just a couple things I want to highlight here that, again, I just get so excited about, so just hang with me here. First, it says he turns a desert into pools of water. I don't know if you've ever been into a desert, 
But I have been into a desert and I've seen the mirages where the sand is glistening and you think there's water over there and you're desperate and you're thirsty and you start driving only to find that there is nothing there. Well, that is a visual picture of how we find ourselves as humanity. We're in a desert spiritually, emotionally speaking, and we are hungering, we are thirsting for something to fill us. And the story of the Bible is only the gospel can do that. Your heart was made for God, and so only God can fill it. He is the one who can turn the desert of your life into pools of water, into streams of water. This is why Jesus picks that up in the New Testament and says to the woman at the well, if you believe in me, if you drink the water I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. So that's salvation. So the good news of the gospel is God can turn the desert of your life into streams of water. That's salvation. And then what happens after that? I love this. It says they establish a city to live in. They establish a city. Think about the city as this, the church. They establish an outpost around the desert with other people that are searching for that water and they establish a city, they establish a church. And what do they do in that church? It says they sow, they plant, and they reap a fruitful yield. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like grow. They sow, they plant, they reap. So as a church, we're sowing the gospel. We're sowing that. We're planting it in your life. We're watering it. And we want to reap a harvest. And the harvest is not more plants. It's more people. And then it says this. I love this in verse 38. By his blessing. What is his blessing? His blessing is him approving of us, saying, this is my daughter, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased now in Christ. And then it says, by his blessing, they multiply greatly. What does that mean? They want to multiply that into more desert places. They want to take the gospel to more people, plant more churches, and they want to multiply greatly. So do you see our mission and vision in action there? We got the best news in the world and we don't want to be the type of church that holds it. We want to be the type of church that shares it. We want to do the hard work of plowing, of planting, of sowing so that we can reap the harvest of people's lives. And then we want to multiply that greatly into more disciples, more campuses, and more churches. So you say, why this mission? Why this vision? My simple answer would be this. Because I think it's biblical. Because see, at the end of the day, since this is not my church and you're not my people, Jesus is the one who sets the mission and vision of our church. We've just done our best to kind of put it in a way to communicate it to you. Where we want to love Jesus and grow, and then we want to multiply. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace in our life. Thank you for the truth of the gospel of who Jesus is. And God, I pray right now, if there's anybody here in Canton, Jasper, online, maybe watching this at another time, that has never trusted in Jesus, has never had the gospel planted in their life, where they heard the good news, they saw that they were living in a wasteland, and they were dead, and they needed you. So I pray right now you'd save them. You'd open up their eyes to see and their ears to hear the truth about who Jesus is.
so that in faith they can be saved. No one looking around or talking here as we wrap this up. If you want to trust Jesus, become a part of the family of God, then right now you can confess and believe and you'll be saved. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to even pray it out loud because you're not saying it to me or to anybody else. You're saying it to God. So if you want to trust Jesus, you can pray with me. Again, you don't have to say it out loud and it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner. I live in a desert. And I ask you to come in and save me. By the power of your Holy Spirit, forgive me. Give me life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. I'm trusting in Jesus alone. Again, nobody looking around or talking. If you just pray that and you're in one of our physical locations, we want to know that. So very simply, would you just lift your hand up so we can see it? Just lift up your hand. Thank you. We got men and women going to walk around, put a gift in your hand so we can just help you on this journey. Thank you. In just a moment, you have an opportunity to fill out a digital connection card to give us your information so that we know who you are. But then those of us who've trusted Jesus, but maybe you haven't taken your next step, maybe you haven't been baptized, we can do that. That is you publicly saying, I'm a part of the family of God. But then maybe there's some of you, you've been saved, you've been baptized, but you're not a part of a local church. And it doesn't have to be Revolution Church. Man, we are one church amongst a lot of churches, and we love other local churches. We just say, find a church. Find a local church where you can carry out the commands of Jesus and be discipled. But if that's here, we'd love to have you a part of our church. And this is what this next few sessions is about, where you can become a part of our church. And then if you are already, I want to encourage you to recommit again, saying, Jesus is my God. Revolution Church is my people. And I'm all in on this mission and vision to love Jesus, grow people, and multiply. Father, we pray that you would make this happen because it is you who turns deserts into pools of water. It is you who establishes the church. It is you that makes grow what we sow and plant, and it is by your blessing that we multiply greatly. So we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.